0: I-N, as in Nancy, G-E-R.
1: Experiencing the supernatural means encountering mysterious things beyond our usual understanding of the world. This includes ghosts, UFO sightings, and other strange events that don't fit scientific explanations. People from different cultures have talked about these experiences for a long time. Some of my listeners have been fortunate enough, or unfortunate, to have an experience with the unexplained. Today, I'm going to share a few of their stories with you. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of the monsters both ancient and modern. Enjoy today's short Folklore Flash. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com, such as Destination Terror. You can listen to a new episode every week, as I take you to horrifying destinations both real and mythical. Be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully the more monsters we can explore. Our first story is from Eva in Little Rock, Arkansas, who had more than one experience with the supernatural. I own a home in Little Rock, Arkansas. It was built in the late 1980s, early 90s, so it's not an old home. It's an unassuming two-story brick neo-federalist style on a cul-de-sac. It's built over and adjacent to the potter's field for the former Arkansas Lunatic Asylum. I lived there from 2016 to 2023. In that time, my family, as well as a neighbor, had numerous unexplained experiences. I knew nothing about the history of the area when I moved in. My first experience happened within the first month. My mom was staying with me. I was at the sink in the kitchen before work in the early morning. My mom took the dogs out for a quick walk. I heard a blood-curdling shriek. It was my mom. I know my mom's voice. I ran out the front door, but no one was there. I ran to the back, and my mom was across the drive in the empty field with the dogs. She hadn't screamed. She hadn't heard a scream. I believe it was about a year later when I was sitting at the kitchen counter Working on my laptop, I heard a thump and looked up. A bottle of spray cleaner that was flush against the wall on the counter was now sitting upright in the center of the kitchen floor. I picked it up and put it back. At some point, I got up and went to the adjacent bathroom. I heard another thump. When I finished and returned to the kitchen, the cleaner was sitting upright in the center of the floor again. Sometime after my son was born, 2017, so this had to be about 2020. I came home from work before he came home from the babysitter, the neighbor down the block, Carrie. This is relevant, I promise. My mom had left to go pick him up. I went to use the downstairs half bath. When I was washing my hands, I heard the sweetest little voice say, Mommy, I'm here. I hadn't heard my son come in. Nor has he ever called me mommy. It's always mama, or more recently mom. I looked around the house and called for my son. No one answered. I opened the front door to see if maybe he was outside. Our house sits at the top of a slope. Approximately a block and a half away was my son walking up the street with my mom. Even so, I asked when they got home if they had been yelling for me. He hadn't. There is another entity I call the stomper or the heavy boot man. Everyone in the house, husband, self, son, mom, has at some point heard what sounds like someone stomping up and down the main stairs. It's a heavy tread, like someone is stomping in heavy boots. Often the steps only go one way, for example, up several times in a row without going down or vice versa. We have also had light anomalies. I eventually reached out to a paranormal investigative group in Little Rock. Two of the members work in journalism. They captured multiple EVPs, objects moved, etc. I'm backtracking, but sometime around 2016, approximately three months after we moved in, I was walking the dogs. There is a monument in the fields owned by the state behind my home. I decided to see what it was, who it was memorializing. It's for the residents of the Arkansas Lunatic Asylum that were buried there from its establishment in the late 1800s to the early 1960s. There are visibly sunken areas and some have stone markers with the number. When the reporters who are also part of the paranormal investigation looked into it further at the state archives, they found approximately 5,000 people were buried behind and under my cul-de-sac.
0: This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the roaring 20s June's Journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
1: The next story is from Frank, an army veteran. I had always thought that Bigfoot was just a legend, until I saw the Sul I'm a northerner, and it was my first time ever to South Carolina, where my encounter was. My encounter was when I was in Army basic combat training at Fort Jackson in South Carolina, from June 2020 to mid-August 2020. It was my first time over a thousand miles away from my family alone, with people that I've never met in my life until that point. I was the only person there from Minnesota. While I was at Fort Jackson, I was privileged to make a call home all of two times, even if I were able to have my phone during the last three-day, four-night long ruck march whilst doing various activities and marching approximately 50 miles overall. This three-day, four-night ruck march at Fort Jackson is dubbed The Forge. When my company that I was with stepped off at 03:15 hours in the morning, on the third to last Monday. The first stop was a 5-hour march, and it was dead silent, with a 45-pound rucksack and a 20-pound plate carrier as well, and the temperature when we stopped off was 78 degrees and humid. At the first stop it was approximately 97 degrees, and we were to rest a while at the first stop before continuing on. The first days of the march we did about 15 miles total. The second night was about 10 miles. During that night was the start of the events. My platoon's first event was an obstacle course at night. The next event is what is called Nick at Night, where we had to crawl while in prone position about 500 yards, with a M249 SAW, firing off about 200 feet safely above. And there were flares that periodically went up, and we had to stop when they did. There were fenced-off pits with propane tanks that had a small igniter to simulate hand grenades going off. The entire second day we were lucky enough to relax a little bit and do land navigation during the day. I was lucky enough when we were resting, which was for about seven hours, and after I made myself some shade and made sure I had airflow from the breeze to not get heat stroke, I managed to sleep about five hours. The third night we did another event, after we dug out our foxholes during the last hours of the daylight. The start of the night was when we did the third to last event. That event was another obstacle course. After that we went to the foxholes we had dug previously, and we were to take turns taking watch. And this is when I encountered the Cherokee Devil. I didn't know what I was seeing, the Cherokee Devil, when I saw it. It was crouched down, and it was about four feet tall when it was crouched. It also had a piercing tone of red eyes. When I looked at it, through the lower power scope I had on my rifle at the time, and when I was looking at it through the scope, it stood up to about eight or nine feet tall. And that's when I got an even better look at the fur. It was shaggy and silver to gray. After it stood up, it took three steps toward me, And in three steps it made many yards before turning to my right, and it went on its way. I didn't sleep much at all that night. Our last encounter is from Thomas. Hello, I'm Tom, a massive fan of freaky folklore. I'm 13 years old, and I have listened to almost every episode. I believe in ghosts and other paranormal beings. Here's my story. It was a cold Friday morning at my country school in New South Wales, Australia. It was midwinter. A soft breeze brushed my hair in front of my eyes. My best friend, Oscar, walked next to me. His bag slung over one shoulder. His curly hair was long, and we laughed at a joke he had cracked on the bus. As we walked briskly into the 19th century library to put our bags in the wet area, a noise interrupted us. A book had fallen off the shelf and landed on the floor. Its pages were creased and worn. We walked to the aisle next to it, not bothering to pick it up, when suddenly a face was staring at us from between two shelves. The face was pale, as if it had been dead for a hundred years. Its expression made it look fascinated in us. It had eyes, but they were cloudy, as if it was blind. No hair was on its head. Scars marked its face. It had a slight transparency that shimmered slightly. It was a girl, definitely. Me and Asuka both saw the being. We ran. I had seen a ghost before, but not when there was another person present. That scared the crap out of me. We ran out of the library and almost crashed into the rest of our friends, walking up the stone path to the skull. We told them about what happened in breathless voices. The teacher, a man of 50, walked out the door. "'What happened?' he asked. We explained the story to him, all of our friends, and the teacher did not believe a word we said. We led them inside and showed them the area that the ghost had been in. They still didn't believe a thing. Our friends and the teacher walked away. But me and Oscar were determined to find out what we had just witnessed. Suddenly a girl who attended our school walked out of the aisle. The book that had fallen in her hands. We asked her if she had seen it. But she hadn't. She left the room. Her blonde hair floated behind her. That's when we realized she had the book. When we ran out the door to find her, she wasn't there. We asked the teacher if he had seen her. And he said no. Me and Asuka faced each other. And that was the birth of the Death Girl. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Destination Terror, hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. Until next time, stay safe out there because this world is a strange one. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto.